Hello and welcome to The Aftertime, an NBA and gambling podcast hosted by two professional gambling brothers. My name is Ronan McGarry and my co-host is my younger brother Ryan. Hello. So a little bit about us, we're two brothers from Belfast in Ireland and we've been gambling professionally since 2014 with our main focus on the NBA. We tend to stick to longer term bets which will be a bit easier for podcast listeners to follow along with. But to be honest we'll bet on anything that has value and this could be from any sport really. So Ren, why don't you tell us a little bit about where the name came from and why we got started? Yeah, so aftertiming, if you're not familiar with the gambling language, is a word people use to talk about bets after the fact. So after you've bet on it or after the odds changed or the worst case after it's won. So it's not something people are generally a fan of, but yeah, thought it would be a funny name for the podcast. In terms of why we started it, I think we both sort of seen that we had a kind of like a niche sort of look at the NBA and a niche look at betting in general. So there's not a lot of podcasts out there or there's not a lot of content out there where people who gamble professionally will will talk about it. So we thought, why not start something where, you know, people can listen to and see the NBA and other sports through the lens of two professional gamblers. Yeah, so let's get stuck right in. This week in the NBA has been a big week with the trade deadline yesterday. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, was probably the most fucking mental trade deadline I can remember in the last couple of years. Yeah, it was actually a good one for us. Yeah. So we'll start with the big one. James Harden traded for Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Finally. I have been, like, I I was just, I've been waiting for the day, praying for the day that I don't have to look up on the NBA (laughs) subreddit or on Twitter about his Harden or is Simmons going to go to the Kings? Is he going to actually even do my head in? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for both teams, I think it was a win-win. Yeah, I agree. Both teams had to do it. It was getting to the, the last sort of minute and yeah, you'd heard rumours of the Sixers being interested in maybe there were talk of Harrison Barnes for Ben Simmons <laughs> yeah. there was talk of yeah well uh, that's a big thing right for everyone saying Maury pulled it out of the bag because everyone do you know he, how long has it been going how long has this been going on for now well, the whole season yeah more or less yeah. since the day after they lost to the Hawks, to the Hawks in the playoffs yeah. and he's been he went from being you know tradable for All-Stars and Harden last year yeah. whenever he was Harden was still at the Rockets to tradable for Harrison Barnes or Buddy yeah. Heal and yeah. Picks and, and then Maury waited out and I think yeah. he won. With a little help from Harden, by the way. Did you see we'll just tweet about Harden wanting out? But in very delicate language yeah, around yeah, it, kind he kind of tiptoed around it. He didn't it. want to be the one to, to say it. But yeah. the, and the funniest thing that I've, I've seen from the whole thing was uh, Harden, it was the quote of Harden and Kyrie in the locker room against the Cavs yeah, when I've, Kyrie was burning the sage. I have that written down. We'll get yeah. to that in, in a couple yeah. of minutes. I have that written down. Uh, I, I was dying to read that out. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a good laugh. So yeah, what do you think about Seth Curry in this, he, like he's amazing. He's he's come on so much. For, like he shouldn't ever got traded from the Mavs. That was a bad trade. He yeah. um, he's been great for the Sixers, and you know he's developed a great relationship with Embiid. But I think Embiid will miss him. But I mean he's getting hardened, so it's yeah, not you yeah. know it's the whole. You have to look at it this way. Simmons was a zero. He yeah. was you know he was just a zero. He wasn't adding anything to the team. So you've got Harden instead of Seth Curry, and realistically you'll take that. You know I know Seth Curry was good, and he'll be good for the Nets, but. Again, you know, you find out a bit in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you, so. can ta- you can target Seth Curry on defense. And that's one thing when you think about the Nets' is the Nets playoff lineup. If you think it'll be Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, if Kyrie Irving can play in the playoffs. Well, at the away games, We yeah. don't know if he can only play away games. There, there's talk of New York maybe changing their vaccine mandate, so kind of need to wait on that one. But if he is able to play every game, yeah, you're talking about Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, then maybe... Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Lamarcus Aldridge, or yeah, Nick Claxton, Claxton at the five, who's sort of younger, or yeah, we, yeah, or I alternatively, mean, like, I mean, you can't put Patty Bills in to start because then you have no. the smallest, you know, it's such a small yeah. lineup. It's already small with those two small, guards. Yeah, but the, the problem is that I have with the Nets with that lineup is you've got KD and Simmons who are obviously two elite defenders at yeah. the three, four, five position, and then you've got Kyrie Irving and Seth Curry at the one and two, yeah, and that is a bit of a hole on well, defense. Yeah, me. but I mean, like, I, something I've been coming around a bit more on is the idea of, like, look at the Cavs. Like, I know it's kind of different, but, and the Bucks to an extent, I know they got Tree Holiday uh, on the perimeter, but there's something to be said for just having two massive great defenders that are mobile and then yeah. kind of giving up your defensive edge on the perimeter, right? Like, so, like, look at the Cavs. They got Allen and Mobley, who are yeah. just elite at the rim 
and mobile so they can go out and guard so kind of like there's a bit of crossover there KD and Simmons I know they're not it's the a, same it's a bit different though isn't it, it is a bit different yeah but um, just in terms of like you know if you're trying to spin it it's a positive defensively for the Nets yeah oh like, yeah it's definitely a defensive improvement I mean would you rather have Simmons and KD defensively kind of trying to protect the rim almost uh, or you know Aldridge or Blake Griffin here just too yeah, yeah. Slow now? I think the, the big question is does this help stop Giannis no, like no. They, they still don't have anyone to guard Giannis. No, I don't think anyone like, does. And for for future reference, the Bucks are still my pick to win the whole thing. So okay, we'll get into that later yeah, too. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about Ben Simmons. Um, we obviously haven't seen him this season. I am quite high on Ben Simmons. I know last year in the playoffs, it was embarrassing passing yeah. an open dunk up and blaming Embiid and blaming Doc Rivers and yeah, blaming everybody but himself. And he's also shooting with the wrong hand. But yeah, I am quite I am quite high on Ben Simmons. I think. When he, on in the nets, on the nets he has a team that suits him a bit more. So I don't really rate Ben Simmons as a half court offensive creator. Think about how many games you watched last year with Ben Simmons dribbling the ball past half court, getting the pick, taking the pick, driving into the paint, and the other team sagging off him completely. Yeah, and they just he, he yeah. would jump in the air, have nowhere to go because he wasn't going to shoot, yeah. and pass it out to the perimeter. Whereas on the Nets, you've got Kyrie Irving to handle the ball, Seth Curry to handle the ball, Kevin Durant to handle the ball. Ben Simmons can just set picks, catch lobs, and play defense. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say if he wants to, but I mean, it kind of suits. It must be what he wants to because he doesn't want to shoot. Like so, if you can, the the problem obviously is defenses know this and defenses will adjust. So, if you can, like, I mean, if you're going to trust anyone, it's Steve Nash and you know the Nets setup and Kyrie and KD to figure out. I mean. I think if Simmons is going to buy in with someone, like he's what a similar enough age to Embiid, right? Um, a bit younger. A bit younger than Embiid. Yeah. So like, if you're going to trust him to sort of buy into a system under arguably the, one of the best point guards of all time as the coach, and then you've got maybe the best player in the world, arguably yeah. Kevin Durant, and like the 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 player that is Kyrie Irving, aside from all his antics, like if you're going to buy him with anyone, it'll be them too. Or them yeah. Three. And it sounds like he already is with the reports that came out about yeah. he already talked to Kevin Durant and he talked to Sean Marks. Yeah. And there's no tampering though. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. And there's also talk now today, the reports came out that he will be joining the team on their road trip to Miami. Yeah. So it, it, my guess, and we'll see if it plays out, but it'll be very much a, Every day or every other day, you'll get another news uh, article flicking out about, uh, oh, he's feeling better, and you know he's, he's had a great first practice session, and maybe he'll come off the bench, and then all of a sudden, and by the playoff time, like honestly, it, everyone has short memories, so all the yeah. whole nonsense and all the stuff about, not that mental health nonsense, but the stuff that he's talked about and his mental health issues, I think they'll quickly disappear. Yeah, I think that's all done to happen. It yeah. will be a, a quick turnaround in Ben Simmons' mental health. Yeah, yeah. I think so anyway. Let's move on to the Sixers. So, with the Sixers, in theory, you pair a top five guy in Joel Embiid, obviously, yeah. with maybe a top fifteen player in James Harden at the minute. Where do you where do you rate James Harden right now? Is he top fifteen? Is he top ten? Well, it's weird. It's like ceiling and floor. It's like his ceiling and floor is almost like the wide, one of the widest in the NBA in terms of like he just had a four point game after a run of thirty plus point games. Do you know yeah. in. It's just where is is he at in his head? Where is he at hamstring wise? And I think I don't know. It's weird. Like out of all, like I know he's forced his way out of two teams now, basically in, in a year less than a year. But I still feel like he's the good guy. <laughs> like I, like I actually do. Like I think like the way he talks now, he doesn't seem to want to cause too much friction. I I don't like the way he got on with Chris Paul back in, in the Rockets. But like, well, here, here here's why. I agree with you as to why he's the good guy and I will read the quote that you were dying to read earlier reported in The Athletic yesterday so the Nets were in Cleveland on January 17th in their locker room before the game Carrie Irving lit ablaze some sage a Native American ritual Irving has embraced to cleanse negative energy Irving doesn't do this before every game but he apparently feels haunted by parts of his past on the Cavs so he lit his torch he's a fucking agent yeah so James Harden according to sources who were in the room when it happened was seated in front of his locker watching Irving and looked at Kyrie like he had three heads <laughs> definitely a weird vibe between them one source said you could tell Harden was annoyed and Kyrie wasn't feeling James so what does that tell you about James Harden I, I couldn't be higher on him I'm so team, team Harden like in terms of just like 
who's right or wrong in these situations. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine going into the office and someone <laughs> you work with was lighting the stage? You were burning sage here before we started our first podcast. He was, he was feeling some negative energy. I feel like I should sage my room after I lose a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what sage is. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've smelled it before. It's, it's weird. Yeah, but um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. Do you know, if, if that was happening to me, and did you see KD last night when they were picking the all-star team? Yeah. Uh, starting lineups and he just had to take it on the chin when he was getting some abuse from yeah, Charles Chuck. Barkley and Shaq but KD has feels like to me KD is Kyrie's only friend in the world yeah. he's the only player who hasn't really seemed to be rubbed up the wrong way by Kyrie Irving I don't yeah. know why in a weird way though I don't think that really matters in terms of like Kyrie is so obtuse and so fucking dense that like he he'll just continue to, to produce on the court whenever he gets a chance to play like yeah. it's weird in terms of Anyone else, I think they could react to this in a weird way, like all the bad press they get, but he's so like me against the world, like yeah. I'm right and you're all wrong, that like he's just gonna, no matter what, drop him out the court, he's gonna, he's gonna drop. He's gonna know? score 25 points. 25 points, yeah. 10 assists or 12 assists or yeah. 10 assists or whatever. Yeah, and um, for Kyrie Irving as well, I think he's, when you compare his time in Boston where he clearly didn't want to be there and he'd more or less give away, not the Bucks were gonna win that series anyway, but they went 1-0 up against the Bucks and then lost four games in a row with mm-hmm. Kerry Irving taking like 30 shots a game yeah. and making like three or four of them. It was really bad. He tanked the Oh yeah, and himself. then he said, what was the quote? He goes, you're saying, never going to see that again. Yeah. And then the next and game, the next he, shot, game he shot even worse. Yeah, so I don't think you'll see that with the Nets because he obviously has a lot more respect for KD. Yeah. And he actually wants to be in Brooklyn Yeah. to more of an extent than he was in Boston anyway. But yeah, I, I know what you mean, but... Sorry, we got away from the Sixers there and yeah, just start yeah. talking about the Nets again. Sorry, yeah, but yeah, so where, where do you think James Harden is right now in terms of your pairing Joel Embiid with a top, yeah. maybe? Sorry, yeah, that's where we got away. So, he's obviously a top 10 guard in the NBA still. Yeah, and I think motivated on a team that he wants to be on, paired with, you know, it's different when you've got um, the three-headed dragon of Kyrie and KD. You know that's that's a lot of and he and he took some he sacrificed he said himself listen I'll play the role that I need to so you know he will and like he look he, he's he's played he's worn multiple hats you know with the Rockets he was taking the most shots of all time and yeah. and then goes to the Nets and he's happy to take a lesser role so I think like he'll buy in I, I don't I don't doubt that Harden can buy in and he'll buy into how can I be most efficient with Joel Embiid because he's got Maury at the helm all the analytics boys you know in the background yeah. they're gonna figure out pretty quickly I think what the best way to play around him is as long as he's healthy like yeah. I don't think mentality wise I think Harden's grand he's got no excuses mentality wise no I, I can understand the excuses in, of wanting out of Brooklyn yeah but with the Sixers he's yeah with, you're playing he, with a fucking shaman like, yeah you're, not, you're, you're playing with probably the best second best centre in the league Joel Embiid yeah you're playing under a GM who you like and get on with yeah coaching wise I don't know playoff joker I, I don't I don't rate Doc Rivers very yeah. highly but you know he's gonna be given the keys to the offense. He's gonna have the ball. Yeah, but as much or as little as he wants. So yeah, as yeah. long as like we were kind of keeping an eye out to see if they were gonna do, do any more movement. You know, try and pick up a couple more shooters or something just after getting rid of Curry. But um, like realistically, the the people who are surrounding Embiid minus Curry this year have sort of came together, coalesced into a decent little you know group. Yeah, I mean Curry was obviously a big part of that, but well, this is an issue I I have when I was looking into this. Three point shooting. Mm-hmm. The 76ers, before the trade, made the third least amount of three pointers per game in the NBA. Now, they do have Joel Embiid, who touches the ball a lot. Yeah. And does shoots threes, but doesn't shoot a whole lot of threes. Yeah. So, trading away your best three point shooter when you're the team that makes the third least amount of three pointers per game. But on the flip side, you've got the second best or best center in the league who's going to, you know, you're, you're still going to get all your paint. You know, all your paint scoring, your high efficiency scoring in the paint with Embiid. Yeah, and, and you get then, James Harden. Yeah, and you get the gravity now. That, yeah. that, well, you know, like, this is my point. You've got double gravity with Harden and Embiid, but yeah. do you have the shooters around those two players to make it work? Is Korkmaz, Danny Green, George Niang, is that enough? Well, would you yeah, have preferred true. the Sixers to make it maybe another move to get. Well, Tobias Harris is the. The elephant in the room yeah, here because who's taking his contract? They would have had to get rid of him. I the thought thunder. maybe could they have gone for Buddy Hield once he got moved to Indiana? Yeah, I but I, yeah, I mean you could be getting into a whole other thing with that. But I think like I think Hield for them for now will probably be part of their future plans. You know, because it's yeah. just with the agents. Just the one thing worries me is the, is the shooting. But then you do have to think they have James Harden now. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, and just looking here, so Harden actually it's dropped off 
a bit, yeah, for definitely from his, his Rockets uh, time. But this year he's been attempting seven threes a game. Um, and he's been making them at 33%. But, you know, you don't have to go back that far to see him at the Rockets shooting 12, 13 threes a game yeah. and making them at a 35 to 38% clip. So he has it in him, you know, and this is the difference. It's you have that inner interior scoring now, so you have the gravity of Embiid. So I would, I right, okay, put it this way. Are they going to win the division? Are they going to win? What do you fancy them for the conference? How do you think? Well, yeah, let's get on. Let's get on to the right? let's get on to the betting side of things. Yeah, um, what people are listening for, I hope. Yeah. So to win the championship after the deadline, the Sixers shortened from fifteens to eights, and the Nets odds didn't change. They remain at four to one. So yeah. the Sixers odds have been cut I think in the, half. the Nets like slightly moved in some places. They got a bit wider. Yeah, a little bit. They drifted maybe a little yeah, bit, but like for the most part, the Nets kind of stayed still. The Sixers shortened considerably. 15s to 8s. Yeah, well, I, that, that makes sense because um, they're getting in the playoffs no matter what, right? So yeah. that you're you're looking past that. So the whole point is, in the playoffs, would you rather have Joel Embiid and Seth Curry or Joel Embiid and James Harden? Yeah, well, and the other side of the coin are, is that they turned a player who was playing zero minutes, yeah. so Ben Simmons, into do you James think Harden. That, do you think Harden alone is, is warrants that odds movement? Yeah, I do. I do, do you think, think so. So what odds are the Sixers now? They're now eight, seven to one. Seven to one for yeah, just for to future reference. For future reference, we'll yeah. For future reference, we're not we're never going to use American odds They're or fractional odds or fractional odds. Well, rarely fractional odds. Yeah, decimal odds just make the most sense. And yeah, if you don't understand decimal odds, you Google, Google it. Yeah, Google it because I'm not and fucking saying, grow up. Yeah, I hate American odds. So. Yeah, American odds. Yeah, all oh, they're bollocks. Um, so yeah, do you think right? I have an aftertime. I, I was. I have our first aftertime of the podcast. Need an air horn. Yeah, we should. I'll, I'll get someone on it. Post-post I backed I backed the Sixers at 19s last week because I sort of knew this trade was coming. You guessed this. Well, not guess. You well, edu- educational was, guess. Yeah, educational guess. This is what we do. Um, so if you follow along in future, whenever these things pop up, I will say, or Ryan will say, certain bets like that that we'll be getting on and then we can brag about it the next week once yeah, certain things happen. Awesome. Yeah, so... I backed the Sixers last week at 19s, um, which obviously is a great value bet now that they're in the 8s. Yeah. Um, do I think they'll win it? Maybe. I, do I think they're the favourites for the East? No. No. I still think the Bucks are probably the best team in the East. Yeah, I agree there. And the the, the, the issue is too, is with the East being so close, God knows what way that seeding's going to play out. Yeah, that'll have a big impact on you know, Like, Do you think the, the, the Sixers getting to the second round or, you know, or past that, it's just... Obviously, it always depends on your seeding, but like it's there's no clear usually not this time of the season, but maybe in the next few weeks you kind of get start to get an idea. Yeah, there's only 27, 28 games left. Yeah, so like honestly, it's a bit up in the air. But put it this way, um, do you make them the favorite in a series against the Bucks? No. Do you make them or okay favorite in the series against the Bulls? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Heat. Yes. Cavs. No, but we'll get into that later. Because <laughs> you're a Cavs homer. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big big on the Cavs this year. Yeah. So, so they're fair. Nets? I, I like the Nets now. I, but then it's Kyrie Irving and the Yeah, he the can't, play, can he can't play, play the home well, games. The Nets are going to be in the play-in. Okay, so here, we'll put it that way. So you're talking about uh, how does this trade impact the Nets and their their outlook and their playoffs. You, you have to seriously consider the, the Kyrie effect. So if the mandate doesn't change... We were talking about the gravity and their starting five and all that sort of stuff, right? What about the Nets starting five at home with no mandate changes? So you, you don't have Kyrie, you don't have the gravity, you don't have the shooting. So you've got, well, what's their starting five? Uh, Seth Curry or who's the point Paddy Mills maybe? Paddy Mills, Curry, because Joe Harris is going to miss the rest of the season yeah. too, we think. Did, Paddy yeah. Mills, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, I know Paddy Mills is shooting incredibly this year. Um, that team would get murdered on defence. Yeah, they couldn't. By any decent guard play. Who guards James Harden yeah. in that series? Who guards Embiid? Yeah, who guards Embiid too? Yeah. And Simmons? God. Like, he's a fucking lapper. He's not going to do that. Yeah. And then, on the other side, you don't have to guard Ben Simmons, really. Well, now I think that won't be as much of an issue. It's not that you don't have to guard him. You don't have to guard him on the perimeter. You don't have to guard yeah. him as a shooter. He's just going to stand in the dunker spot and catch lobs and set picks. But yeah, I, I like now just as you mentioned that as a potential playoff, uh, you know, series. Like I would love to see that because you're you're switching. It's changing so much game to game. Like look at like at, at in Philly with Kyrie, 
yeah, favour the Nets in in Brooklyn with uh, without, like, Kyrie. without Kyrie. I favour the, the Sixers. Yeah. Which is like the flip, which is the funny flip side of thing, and why um, of not getting vaccinated, and why why some smarter people than me have talked about the Nets tanking for uh, for seeding, lower seeding. Yeah, well, at the minute, regardless of if they're tanking or not, they're gonna be in the bottom four seeds. I mean, yeah, where are they? They're, they're eighth right now. They're they're gonna end up in the play in because Kevin Durant's not back until March. Yeah, Ben Simmons. We don't know how long it'll take. Ben There's Simmons. Three games off tenth off the Hawks and tenth. Yeah, the East is right, a bit much. of a shit show at the minute. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so for the rest of this season, let's talk about the Atlantic Division. Yeah, a little bit. In fact, let's park that because I want to talk about the Atlantic Division after we talk about the Celtics and Raptors. Yeah, because they are the bigger story there. Yeah. I think. So we'll move on to what have we got up next? Um. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's not as not as relevant to the league as a whole so far but um well maybe actually we'll talk Cavs Cavs about yeah 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 okay so um time to throw in another after time this will be my first one of the pod is I've got some good ones for this yeah, one yeah is um okay so the Cleveland Cavaliers who are currently third in the east and they are basically in a three way tie for second with the Bulls and the Bucks their fellow divisional um teams and they recently traded for Karis Avert, getting rid of the injured Ricky Rubio and a couple of picks. So, obviously, it's kind of brought the Cavs' timeline a wee bit forward. Yeah. You know, as they rebuild a young team. I mean, they already were doing so well before Rubio got injured and uh, still after he got injured. So, you know, they were probably starting to believe in themselves and be like, you know, why don't, why don't we make it, you know, next year, this year, next year, two years from now. Um, Levert definitely brings that timeline forward. Um, yeah. But yeah, so for the first aftertime, uh, bet on the Cavs to win the division at 150 to 1 in November. <laughs> uh, it's currently fives or shorter than fives. So fours now? Fours, yeah, depending on where you look. So yeah, that's a that's my, my first pride aftertime. Bet and, that. and still value, but we'll get into that. Yeah, so um, the Cavs were 150 to 1 in November and just had an idea that I like the... Um, I like the kind of young core that they had and high on Mobley. So I uh, bet that basically from 150s all the way down to fives and never in between along in the last few months. Um, so they're two wins off the heat for the first seed in the East and yeah, three-way tie for the Div. But they do have to play the Sixers, Sixers Harden. Four times. Four right. times. So that, that is annoying. Yeah. But... I'll jump in there as well with my after times. Not as good as Ryan. Ryan's on at one hundred and fifty to one for the division. Yep. My biggest division bet is it's sixty to one, mm-hmm. but I backed it all the way down to ten to one, and now it's yeah, sort of three to one. Aren't you so good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not just that. We're also on Evan Mobley rookie of the year at six to one. Uh, currently, currently one point three to one on. Yeah, one point three. Did you notice we said we wouldn't? Fraction. in fractional odds and now all we're doing is some, some, some makes sense it for, makes sense for, for the right. bigger odds yeah, yeah. yeah and another Cavs bet I'm on is Kevin Love to win 6th man of the year at 60 to 1 yeah a little bit about that quickly he's value and should win because Tyler Harrow is a disgrace and is playing well, he's, <laughs> he's all star snug Tyler Harrow but he's going for the 6th the man of the year award and you can tell he's trying to win it because why else is he starting on the bench with all their injuries this year, he still started too many games on the bench. Plus, hold on, plus, plus, okay. plus. He's playing the forty seventh most minutes per game in the entire NBA, and he plays more minutes per game than four All Stars. He plays more minutes per game than Giannis, Rudy Gobert, Andrew Wiggins, and Jared Allen, who should have been an an All Star. Yeah, like that is that is a fuck. He's award hunting. That is an absolute yeah, disgrace. But I mean, he's not the only person award hunting this year, and not only that, um, he. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sick man of the year. It's never been a, it's, a fair award. It's no, never it's, been a, a, a just award. I mean, it's always went to the scoring points. Scoring point guards are sometimes like Montrezl Harrell, you know, scoring centers. But um, points off the bench, and they don't give a fuck how many minutes you play. Yeah, I mean, all you need to look at was the fact that the two favorites the year that Montrezl Harrell won it was Montrezl Harrell and Lou Will, and they both played for the same. Played team. on the same. And I think team. actually the year before that, when Lou Will won it, two years before that. Montrez Harrell was the second favourite. Yeah. So the sixth man on the year on the same fucking team makes no sense. They should rename it. Yeah. Most points per game from the bench award. <laughs> the because bench award. you're not a sixth man if you're playing starters minutes. No, it makes no sense. But that's just, we'll leave, yeah, we'll leave that that's there. That's your weak gripe. Yeah, that's my gripe. So back to the Cavs. Yeah. So we've got quite a few Cavs related aftertimes um, this yeah, year. Yeah, they're basically a big, team, they're a big team for us this year. Yeah, quite 
quite honestly, we they had a rough start to the se- not a rough start to the season. They had a hard start to the season with their schedule. They had two yeah. big West Coast road trips in the first well. in the first six weeks. They started really well. They had a positive record even after losing Colin Sexton, who would play normally play thirty three minutes a game. Yeah. So they had a good net rating. This is a free bit of advice. Early in the season, the Cavs had a really good net rating after having a really hard schedule. And pre-season, they were fancied by the bookies to be a lottery team. Yeah. So all the signs were pointing to the fact that the Cavs were actually a really good team. Yeah. So which is why they were why we backed them at big odds. And even now, those facts remain the same, don't they? They have the best net rating in their division. They actually have the best net rating in the East. They've lost quite a few games because of injuries, generally yeah. because Darius Garland's been injured recently, and he is probably their best player. Yeah, most important player. So. On offense. Yeah, so looking at the Karis Levert trade, why do you think they went after Karis Levert? Well, I mean, it was kind of clear that it was their, you know, where they needed a body now that, like, you know, a ball handling, you know, slasher, point scorer, because Garland's carrying the entire offense, essentially. Yeah. Okoro's, you know, a, a negative, if not just neutral. Stand, stands in the corner and shoots. Yeah, he does fuck all. He does offense. not like to dribble the ball. No, so Garland was the, the, the hub. He's the linchpin of the offense, and, like, you can't if you're if you're fancying themselves they they see where they are now they know they're getting to the playoffs they know they're gonna you know they want to give it a, a good go so you can't go into the playoffs with one point guard who's your who's your entire linchpin at that young of an age and now he's getting back injuries because he's fucking carrying the team sword yeah. so Levert as much as like it's not like he's this you know all star who's like you know gonna blow your mind but he is he can take the ball off Garland if Garland's getting double teamed or if Garland's just you know not feeling it or whatever he can get into the paint. He can draw, you know, draw a big man. Alley-oop. Already, some highlights of him dishing alleyoops to uh, Jared Allen because they, you know, they've got that connection. They used to play, both used to play for the Nets, um, and he seems he seems happy to be there. You know, from yeah, that's I've the read. big thing. I, yeah, he's got a big smile on his face. And well, I mean, he left fucking Indiana, of course he yeah, did. Just... And he's from Ohio, and JB yeah. Vickerstaff, the coach, also another after time is good shot for coach of the year on a twenty to one. He's now three second three favorite. Yeah. yeah, so he still Behind could win. Monty. Yeah, he still could win, but with yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think, I think Levert is great for what they. Do you know what? Well, first of all, it's great for our bets because for the regular season, you have someone to take the load off Garland, and yeah. he's good on offense. You know, whatever on defense, but it doesn't matter. Like I said earlier, you've got Allen and Mobley. You, we know what the Cavs' defense is. So, um, you know, he's what? What is he? Six? He's six six. You know, six, he's seven, a body. Six. six seven six six. So he's a body yeah. anyway. Um, and he is. Yeah, I mean, what is he? career 15 points a game you know few rebounds few assists not the most efficient shooting stats but but he, he gives the Cavs what they need yeah like that's I, the most I, important I, thing like yeah. you, you can sit and you can banter about fucking stats all day but if you just look at the team and look at where they're missing where they need a body where they need yeah. what type of player they need in order to get more wins in order to win the division which is the bet so like if you're looking at this from for people who are thinking about you know betting in the future it's like People love to just kind of grab a stat and go, he's a 40% three-point shooter and stuff, but you kind of have to look past that and just think about the team as a whole. Think about the depth of the bench in, if you're thinking regular season. yeah, yeah Playoffs yeah. is a different beast. Different animal, obviously. but I've watched a lot of Cavs games this season. I think I've watched more or less all of them. And after Ricky Rubio got injured and Darius Garland then started to miss a couple of games, watching the Cavs on offense was like <laughs> watching your parents have sex. Yes. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> There, nobody wanted to dribble uh, the ball. There was just there was less penetration. There was, <laughs> which is what they needed. Which is oh what they God, needed. We're taking a turn here. Oh fuck! But do you know, like nobody wanted to dribble the ball. It was the ball would come past half court. They were playing Chetty Osman as point guard. Yeah, he's the only player who will take the ball into the paint. Yeah, I think and, he still thinks back to those days. He was practicing with LeBron. I know, and, I know. And but the, the but that's what they needed. Ball. They need, they need I, someone. I actually love Chetty Osman yeah, for the Cavs. He's they, not amazing, but they need someone who can get into the paint. And I watched the Cavs against the Spurs in Karis Levert's first game. And when you have now Garland was back too, but when you have two players like that, they can both get into the paint. It opens up the three point shooting for the rest of the team. Yeah. Whereas when those two players are missing, it's a lot of dribble handoffs where there's not really any space made. And yeah, and I, I think one of the uh, sort of the bits I noticed the most in terms of how it impacted their offense with the people going out was Mobley started getting these really awkward looks where it was like handoffs to Mobley or like dropping him in like mid range, and he had to like back a guy down and try and like pull a post move and like these sort of like 
you know, mid-rangers that it weren't... felt forced. Yeah, yeah, it felt like, which is like, he will eventually get to the point, I think so, where he's going to be in, like incredible help on the offensive end. But I definitely noticed his numbers, I don't have them in the hand, but his numbers dropping off once, you know, those injuries started to roll in. He was getting more, almost yeah, getting more shots. But like they just weren't they weren't quality shots. He was being asked to do a bit too much, yeah, and a bit out of his wheelhouse. Whereas like now you've got Levert. Think any time Levert drives, Mobley dive into the rim. Well, Mobley wasn't catching any lobs when Garland wasn't playing. Yeah, you know, yeah. so all the lobs Jay are gone. Osmond throwing lobs. To him. Yeah, so now that Garland and Levert are back, the lob threat will be there. You get easy baskets. Yeah, you know, and his free throw shooting is a bit disappointing too. He's shooting like sixty six percent. Yeah, I would like and it, you know he's only shooting twenty seven percent from three. I thought he might have yeah, been a bit better. I feel like every time I look, he's not from one from three. It's yeah. like he shoots one early and then he just gives and then up. he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's good that he shoots threes, but you'd like to see that a bit higher. He's but then he is a rookie. He is a rookie. I think young. he's like twenty one. And he is the rookie of the year, and he is already in so many ways looks like a third year player. Oh yeah, maybe but, even fifth yeah, on, on defense. He's, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, if not top, well, he's top five, I think. And he's in, he's in, in the betting for defensive player of the year. He's up there. The, now his problem with the defensive player of the year betting is that Jared he shares Allen. a front court with Jared Allen, who gets yeah. a bit more of the. But Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, he's gonna win it. Oh fuck off! Yeah, <laughs> no way. But yeah, I, I think with Mobley, yeah, what, now that he's got his guards back it'll make his life a bit easier and you know he has less of the burden to carry and yeah. it'll allow him to get easier baskets too which is good for him yeah um, and Alan too so talking about the Cavs division for the rest of the season yeah now this is obviously one of our biggest bets of the year yeah and I very much hope it wins is it still value from here if you look at the odds the Cavs are 4.25 the Bulls are 4.25 and the Bucks are 1.61 now Let's take into account strength of schedule. Yeah. Which is so, where generally we like to look and try and find a bit of value. Yeah. So another hot tip is um, if you go on tankathon.com, you'll see a, a list of basically teams remaining strength of schedule. So, you know, who is playing the harder teams or the higher rated teams, higher seeded teams on the run into the end of the season. It obviously starts to matter more the more the season goes on. Um, because early on, you know, there's a bit of noise in the stats, and then as the season gets closer and closer, you actually know who the good teams are. So um, from now on, it's probably a good indicator of actually, you know, it is a tougher schedule. It is an actual tougher definitely schedule, with you know. twenty seven games left, especially with road trips and stuff. It's important. Um, so yeah, so looking at these three teams in the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Cavs, Milwaukee have the second hardest. So they've got a tough enough run in with twenty five games left. Chicago have the third hardest, so they're right next to them and trying to find Cleveland all the way down at the 24th. So, yeah, so they have the they have an easier a far easier running towards the end of the division or the end of the season and than the other two. So if you're talking about who's the favorite right now the Bucks, the Bucks yeah, at, at odds on 1.61 like that are you betting that? No. Are you betting the what odds are the Bulls? 4.25 with a lot of injuries to their yes. Yeah, so this is the thing Chicago have injuries and they have a hard schedule. Milwaukee don't have any. Well, don't have. They injuries. have. Brooke Lopez is still out. We'll yeah, get onto the Milwaukee but he's trade. Been out the whole Milwaukee season. made a good trade yeah. yesterday. We'll get onto that just after this. But yeah. injury wise, the the Bucks are actually starting to get more guys. Like Pat Connaughton got in, Connaughton got injured last night. He broke a finger. What hand? I don't know, but he broke okay. a finger. So okay. he well, that's miss, not good. He's been good. He's, he's been, been good. Yeah, he could miss a bit of time, which is good for our bets. Yeah, but, I mean that's good. That's what you're always looking for. Um, so if you think about the Cavs net rating they have the best net rating in the division and they have the easiest schedule and they're already ahead of the Bucks and they just improved by getting delivered yeah so, so all signs point to the Cavs division put it this way for our potential listeners would you advise a bet on the Cavs right now absolutely yeah I think the Cavs should be odds on it's sometimes you, in, in betting you need to forget about the team name and forget about who plays for the team and just look at the numbers do you know by all means the Cavs have been slightly better than the Bucks this so you're year. You're saying it it is value based on the odds alone. The, sorry, the odds and the strength of schedule. Yeah, totally. Sometimes you just have to forget the team name. Yeah. You know, call it what we used to say is Team A versus Team B. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to just look at what's happened so far yeah. and then look at what they have to play against for the rest of the year. And yeah. all signs point to the Cavs. Uh, they should be favourites. It's like it's like the whole thing after Fergie left United. It's like how many people were terrified to bet against United, yeah. even though Fergie wasn't there anymore and they're on a decline. Do you yeah. know, it's like what's Man United? Yeah. It's like so fuck. It's Team A. Yeah, and that's where you make that's where you make money. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to be a bit brave and take things on, especially at odds. You're so brave. <laughs> for four point two five, it's decent odds, right? 
spreads, you get a nice return for a small enough bet. So, you know, that's one bet I would definitely advise people to back from here. And potentially, depending on the the bookmaker, uh, the website, you could double it or treble it or with other division winners. Yeah, definitely. If you're that type of degenerate scum. Yeah, and shop around too. There's you don't need to go with the first book you see. Sometimes you can get nice odds. I know yeah, Bet three six sky bet boosts and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bet three six five are offering four point two five on the Cavs, which I think might be the best price you can get. But that's definitely a bet I would recommend from here. Sticking with that sky or that division, then the Bucks. Yeah. So the Bucks were part of a four team trade yesterday. The were, only four team trade. The only four team trade. Yeah. The Bucks received Serge Ibaka from the Clippers and give up Dante Divincenzo to the Kings. There was a couple more players included in that trade, but it doesn't really matter because for this segment we're focusing on the Bucks. So, I think the Bucks were big winners here. Yeah, they, they got Serge Ibaka, who, when you look at his stats this year, he's actually been quite good. He's averaging one block a game in fifteen minutes, which is good off the bench. Yeah, I mean um, he he was coming back from an injury, right? Yeah, and he's shooting thirty nine percent from three, but not making very many attempts per game. But for a backup five to Bobby Portis and as a bit of a you know, make wait until Brooke Lopez comes back. I think this is brilliant from yeah. the the box. Yeah, I mean, so who who did the box clear out? Dante Divincenzo and Ojale. Yeah, yeah. Ojale never played. And yeah, Divincenzo. Divincenzo coming back from injury hasn't really been. What no, they that's hoped. the thing. He he seemed to regress a bit, which is sad because he was he was a potential great player. But they knew, and if you listen to the talking heads, he was the. You know, he was the tradable asset that the Bucks yeah. had. He was basically the one tradable asset the Bucks yeah. had. But they didn't want to extend his contract in summer, and he was shooting twenty eight percent from three while playing with Giannis. Yeah. So you're saying, would you rather have that or Serge Ibaka as oh. your? Yeah, I Easy mean, Serge Ibaka. I mean, obviously the injury worry for Ibaka, but it's the whole thing is it's win now. The Bucks have been win now for a couple of years. Yeah. And because Giannis is still young, because like Middleton and Holiday don't look like they're regressing at all. Like that win now is gonna continue. So why not continue to bring in players as you can? Do you know? Is it? I mean, does it matter for betting? Probably not. But is it sustainable for the next few years? Do you know? As people get a bit older, yet to see. But um, yeah, I think like the number one thing this helped me realize is the box outright. Do you know? I still it's my been my favorite bet all year. Well, not my favorite bet all year, but if you were to ask me for an outright bet, the team to win the whole championship all year has been the box. So I think this improves that improves their. Um, potential winning in the playoffs, you know, changes the way they can play with Ibaka coming on as that sort of not, stretch, five. Say, stretch five, yeah, yeah, essentially. And if Brooke comes back, there's been some talk of it. I don't know, but I mean, if he comes back, I'd be interested to see what, you know, what level he's at. Yeah, in terms of fitness and stuff. But um, I think it's great for the Bucks. I'm I'm so high on them. I've been all yeah. year. Well, Ibaka also gives you another body to throw at Embiid in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, because obviously you don't really want Giannis guarding and beating the playoffs. Giannis yeah. th- never really takes the other team's best player. He kind of plays like a a sweeper role yeah. on defense. Um, so if you think about a potential Bucks Sixers matchup, Ibaka is another. Bobby Portis is too small. Brook Lopez would have been the guy who would guard him. I love Bobby Portis. So yeah, I, I think love he's him. Brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, but it's mad eyes. Yeah, I think that the Bucks definitely got better. Now. Pat Connaughton getting injured the day, uh, what, six hours after they traded one of their guards. They're down by yeah. on guards. Yeah. Unlucky for them, but good for the Cavs division bet, potentially. Yeah. That's why you potentially thought they were going to move for Schroeder. You were thinking... Well, yeah, they were being linked with Schroeder. They kind of wanted in some more playmaking from their backup guards. Off the bench, yeah. Off the bench, because George Hill was injured. In the end, obviously, they decided that they needed to back him more. Okay, well, what's the outlook for a broken finger? It'll be co- at least a couple of weeks. It depends if it's his non-shooting hand. I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah. So potentially, I'll say go out in a limb and say he'd be back for the playoffs. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So should be. Do you know, I I still think they're just so they're so solid. Like them and one team you have to talk about in the West. Who I just the more I read and hear about them, the more I actually start to get worried about them. In the Phoenix Suns. But we'll get on to that. But they're just the two in my like it's the championship from or the championship matchup from last year and yeah. I can't look past it again this year. But, yeah. Yeah, we can get into that. Yeah, and the Suns just beat the Bucks last night yeah. in Phoenix. Quite handy. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll stick to trades for okay. today. We'll get on to the, the championship in a future podcast coming soon, maybe next week. But the last trade of the day we'd like to talk about a couple of trades actually for the Boston Celtics. Yes. So the Boston Celtics traded Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford and a 2022 first round pick for Derek White from the Spurs. And they also traded Dennis Schroeder, who we'd linked with the Bucks, 
Bruno Fernando and Ennis Freedom Cantor yeah. for Daniel who, Tice. Who was then with? Who was then with for Daniel Tice? So, Fuck off, Cantor. Yeah, so basically, the, <laughs> the Celtics turned Josh Richardson and Schroeder into Derek White and Daniel Tice. Yeah. Really so uh, the war on Tice is reopened on the Eastern Front. Yeah, our other brother will be very happy. Yeah. Um. And yeah, they got themselves under the salary cap, cleared out Schroeder, who like wasn't the worst for them. I I it, thought if, he'd been okay. I mean, there was all the. All the, the sort of banter about is uh, him giving up his contract at the Lakers and stuff, but like if he was another player, it's like if everyone in the NBA could fucking buy into their role and just play the role, like if he just but if he could just buy into scoring point guard off the bench, just yeah. do your role and it'd be great. But I don't know, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, obviously. But they cleared out Schroeder, got under the cap, got Tice back, who you know, great because they only really had Time Lord, right? Yeah, and Al Horford, uh, yeah, but, but I mean, Tice. I think Tice is a great pickup, and he was great at that, really that. good chemistry with Jason Tatum. Apparently, they, them two are quite. If the good refs friends. just ever fucking give him a chance, yeah, yeah, yeah he'd be right. But yeah, I mean, Derek White. I've seen a lot of people going a bit crazy about that trade, obviously because you know it's like Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford. They're not exactly you know. Fucking. Richardson has been his career has gone so far downhill since he was in Miami. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been weird. Like, but I suppose they got well to get the Celtics twenty twenty two first round pick. And they're right to swap. They're pick swapped, basically. But, like, Derek White, right? So, Derek White, career, 12 points a game, three rebounds, four assists on, you know, he's a well, 84% free throw shooter. Do you know, he, he's he's good. He's not that young anymore. He's 20, well, I mean, 27. But, you know, it's not like it's going to blow. Like, I think the Celtics needed a better point guard. Yeah, yeah. Been Marcus Smart. But maybe better, yes, but someone a bit more reliable. Yeah. Marcus Smart, as we've seen we've watched a lot of Boston Celtics over the years can be one of those players that takes over a game in a bad way yeah and shoots his, t- his own team out of the game yeah which is not what you want whenever you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown they get they get another ball handler who can take the pressure off Tatum and Brown yeah maybe let him handle the offense a bit maybe play Tatum and Brown a bit more off ball which is a good thing yeah but here's here's where I sort of uh, leveled out on this was the Celtics did really well as a franchise in this in the, at the trade deadline yeah. you know a lot of things lined up they they got some players where they wanted them you know who fit well and got under the cap but like i like so it's like yeah well done but like i still don't fucking want to bet on them in the playoffs i just I, yeah i still think they're easy easy enough out in a playoff in scenario? a playoff series yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like i mean the two jays you know on, on all that bollocks they haven't done well in the playoffs since the fucking year that the b team the main red claws around it like you know what i mean yeah yeah like yeah, me too. I, I I think I agree with you, but Derek White isn't moving the needle. And do you know what I mean? Did they get better? Slightly, more efficient and better. Do you know, as an organization and as a as a team, maybe. Well, on the court, did they get better? Is replacing Schroeder and Josh Richardson with White and Tice an upgrade? Is it enough to move odds in terms of winning a conference, winning a series? Yeah, for me, it is. By much? For winning the division, maybe not the playoffs. I don't. Okay. I still don't. I still don't think the Celtics are, you know, a top four team in the East. Okay. No way. But I think they're much better if they end up as like the seventh seed. Yeah. They're they're much better than previous seven seeds have been in the East. You know, we've seen in the East in the last couple of years, and here's more after times for you. <laughs> we've made quite a bit of money back in the top seeds against the bottom seeds because there's been a big gulf in class. Mm-hmm. This year, that gulf won't be there between the top seeds and the the eight and well, seven are going to be is ridiculous. The seven yeah. and eight could be the Raptors and the Celtics who are yeah. both. So very well, we'll put it this way: we're segueing into that this division bet. Then, yeah. Um, where do you, you know, what's the what's the outlook then? Well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I have another after time. <laughs> last Hence Friday, last Friday, I backed the Raptors to win the Atlantic at forty to one, and backed the Celtics at twenty eight to one. I did not. Ryan did not, but and he regretted it. He probably yeah. should have. He should have listened to his older brother. Yep. And now both the Celtics and Raptors are in the like seven to one. So from forties to sevens and from twenty eights to sevens, I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy with that, and I'm I'm actually really happy with the Celtics' business at the trade deadline. I, I love it for the rest of the season. I think it makes them even better. The Celtics, if you look at the division, they're one win off Philly in the standings, and Philly have the tenth hardest remaining schedule. Yeah, the Celtics have the thirteenth easiest. Yeah, so schedule wise, it, it lines up quite nicely for the Celtics. Do the Sixers have a bit of trouble maybe at the start getting them beat and hard. <laughs> You'd like to think so, yeah. I would like to think Whereas so. Whereas I think I think you were delighted with the Celtics moves and then as the as the Harden and Simmons thing came out, the value I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, you're on massive value, forties in the sevens, but 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I I was kind of disappointed that the Harden's well. Here's the thing for that bet. There is the well. What odds are Philly for the division? One point three three. Yeah, so there's no real opportunity to hedge there um, no. at the current odds. But the fact that you're on a forties bet that's now into sevens, depending on how the like the because there's only twenty five, twenty seven games left. Yeah. As the games start to you know chip away, and as they start to disappear, and you get closer to zero games left, the, if the if Philly don't get off their run and start with Harden. If this is just for anyone who's going to be gambling on stuff like divisions in the future, you need to keep an eye on that because they drop a few games. It's such a high percentage of the twenty five games left that those odds will start to move quick. Yeah. And if if and when it gets over evens, then you can start to think about hedging. If you're on at forty to one and it's into seven, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So in that division, not it's not uh, as I said last week. It wasn't just the Celtics that backed. They also backed the Raptors, yeah. who have been playing really well recently. They're seventeen and just six. Them when the other one doesn't. I know. Which is why it's good that I backed at forties and twenty eight. Yeah. Effectively, I'm on either the Celtics or the Raptors to win the division at about fourteen, fifteen to one. Yeah, which is which and is nice. And half. Yeah, uh, so the Raptors are seventeen and six in their last twenty three games. Pascal Siakam looks like an All NBA player again. Yeah, the Raptors are so fucking annoying, and just they just don't go away. Nine tall boys, long boys, like, and yeah. they just they just they don't go away. They're they're so fucking annoying. Like every time, if you go and read like a any teams sort of like you know fan forums after they play the Raptors all the the most upvoted comment the top comment is always I hope we never play the Raptors again yeah. they're, they're just they're just fucking wankers it they're must just, be fucking torture to play them yeah. because I'm everyone well is 6'8 I'm well coached too yeah except for Fred Van Vliet yeah. the rest of the team is 6'8 yeah. or 7' with like 7' four arms yeah them and um, the Clippers for next year I, I see a lot of I had some things written down about the Clippers in terms of I see it's similarities between them in terms of like you know just full of kind of rangy wings yeah. and then you know the Clippers have better stars when they come back from injury but yeah for the Raptors for the division what's what's your outlook there? So I actually think the Raptors might be a better bet from here than the Celtics for the division. I think they're both good, but the problem is they're both seven to one. If you back them, if you back them both, you're kind of backing the Sixers not to win the division. That maybe like three to one, which is okay. Yeah, um, similar strength of schedules left. Yeah, they're very similar. The Raptors have the eighth easiest schedule remaining. Yeah, they've got a, quite a big two big road trips coming up, but they do have the eighth easiest schedule. Yeah, um, I mean they have to play the Warriors three times. Yeah, when you look at rate, ratings, so simple rating system is a a metric used by advanced stats guys to kind of get a rating of how good teams are, and it's yeah. basically a function of net rating and the strength of schedule so far. So. The Sixers are leading the division with the worst simple rating system out of those three teams. So the, the Sixers rating is 1.64, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a just above average team, really. Yeah. The, the Raptors is 2.4 and the Celtics is 4.26. You have to think the Sixers will obviously improve there if Harden clicks quick. Yeah, you would think so. But for me, with how close it is, I mean, the Raptors are on 31 wins and the Sixers are on 32. Celtics are also on 31 wins. You know, it's there's one win in it. Yeah, for me, in some ways, compare, comparable almost to the Cavs, Bucks, oh, yeah. and Bulls. Except, you know, in this in the Cavs, Bucks, Bulls scenario, um, you have the team in the Cavs that have the easiest schedule quite clearly, and but they're the same odds as the Bulls, who have way harder. Whereas in this one, you've got two teams with easier schedules, yeah, and they're both the similar odds. So I suppose this is where it comes down to you know, your gut feel. Like I know the numbers are a bit closer here. So like, why does your gut feeling? Why do you know you're as a as a gambler? Why do you think the Raptors why would you pick the Raptors over the Celtics Um, probably the schedule Raptors still the schedule even though it's not you know well I think the Raptors had a really bad start of the season yeah. early on Um, and over their last some injuries games, see if Siakam injuries, missed the start yeah over their last 23 games yeah exactly Siakam missed some time early on do you think he's like the key yeah definitely Um, I think he's their best player even though Van Fleet got an all-star selection this year I think Siakam's their best player but you know they've just had a bit better form in 2022 than the Celtics and they're already ahead of the Celtics you know they've got the same amount of wins with two games in hand Yeah. and rating, I think they're both similar teams so you know if you take that into account two games in hand with an easier schedule I think you got to give the Raptors the edge so is this an official official tip? I'll say yeah I'll say it's an official tip but not as big as the Cavs yeah so I think the Cavs I think the Cavs should be odds on for their division for any of those degenerates who had the Cavs to win their division and waiting for the second tip to add to their accumulator there you go yeah if, you, if, you, if you can find a bookie that'll let you add those bets together I think 
my pick for the Atlantic Division from here would be the Raptors, definitely. But I wouldn't begrudge you if you had a small bet on the Celtics too. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe put two thirds of your stake on the Raptors and one third on the Celtics. To come yeah. Do you know what? It, it reminds me of another bet um, from the start of the season, which was in the division with the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Suns. Yeah. The Warriors and the Suns were both like what three fours, three to fours, and Warriors the Lakers were fives. Yeah, and the Lakers were like heavy odds on favorites, despite the fact that anyone with a fucking brain knew the Lakers were going to be awful this regular season. Yeah. Like, I no one expected AD to get injured or whatever, but like the like I'm sorry, but not not the after time again, but. Like you know, West just West anyone with a right fucking fit. brain, yeah, could see that that was never going to work, yeah. Which is why we bet against the Lakers. Yeah, in so do you know what I compare it to that because it's the heavy odds on favorite who just shouldn't be. But I suppose it's different. I think the Sixers have a better chance to close that division out than the Lakers did to ever top their division. So it's different in that way. Yeah, one team we haven't mentioned yet is the Miami Heat, who I think might actually be the number one seed at the minute. They in the are. East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one seed. Yeah. They what are. do you make of the Heat? Are they a regular season pretenders or I, like no? I I'm I have to like fight my own biases against the Heat because I generally dislike them. I hate the Miami Heat. Yeah, I, I like I generally dislike the Heat, but they have missed so many. Like there was that graph I seen recently, and it had you know the amount of minutes missed as a total like as a team based on just all your players and then like it was you know they were done in like circles on the graph and the circles were bigger depending on how important those players were yeah and the heat were right up there like they have missed fucking they have a lot of players who have missed a lot of time and and Tyler Harris still comes off the bench (laughs) yeah get over and uh, but they're they're first you know they like okay and here's the thing this is where I why I have to ch- I have to challenge myself and not be biased and go oh they're a regular season team whatever because before the season I my prediction was they're gonna float around in the you know the mid sort of seeds uh, because you know I don't think they'll be that great in the regular season but they'll be a nightmare in the playoffs you yeah. won't want to come up against them in the playoffs yeah but now they're fucking first seed and they're not very much talked about I have to say no I, you, you very rarely hear people really diving into the heat no. and talking about are they gonna top the East are they gonna win the Eastern Cup like you know I know Chris Vernon picked them preseason I think to win the East so fair play to him because I was I was fucking laughing when I, I listened to that but because that last last playoffs I thought Giannis kind of slayed the dragon do you know remember the in the bubble yeah when the Heat beat the Bucks and it was like the worst that Giannis was supposed to win the title that year yeah. you know and then obviously last year I think that what the Bucks swept the Heat was it 4-0 or 4-1 yeah you know, oh yeah, they, that, yeah was, right. that was supposed to be right okay the Heat are no matchup for the Bucks anymore but now the Heat top of the East have missed probably the most games out of any team in the East. You know, they've they've been playing some lineups where I don't even recognise some of the Yeah, but the, it's the it's the Heat fucking it's like the Raptors. Don't say the, culture. The, no, 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 not Heat <laughs> culture, no. Uh it's the it's like this factory of like um Yeah. Do you know, compared to like Linfield here in football, it's yeah. like they just always have these players coming that you no one's ever heard of that are just so solid, can jump right into a you know, like a six, seven, eight man rotation. Yeah. And they're just they're just you know, they they produce on offense. And Is that something you credit Eric Spolstra for? I mean, well, you can't not just him, but you know, I mean, do you think he a lot of backroom stuff? Do you think he's a shout for coach of the year? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're gonna be the first seed, right? Like, I mean, I get why Monty is is the favorite. Like, I understand that, but realistically, I think Spolstra. I noticed him. He was floating around like tens to fifteens for a long time while they've sat at the top seed. So, if they get the top seed in the East, why not? I mean, like, you can you could back Eric Spolstra at eight to one for coach of the year. So if you think the Heat can top the East, I, that's not a bad bet. I'm yeah. not on it personally because You're I'm already on JB Bickerstaff at the Cavs at twenty to one. But and I think if the Cavs come in the top four, I think he's got yeah, a good argument. If you're going to try and like sort of hedge or make a bit of a portfolio, like I mean, arguably, and here's the thing: this is when you're betting on awards. To another uh, point, is it's not what you think, it's what you think the voters will think. Yeah. So voters and the NBA media love Spolstra. He's like the darling. So they want to give him Coach of the Year, which is, I, you know, I'm actually literally talking myself into betting him Coach of the Year. <laughs> um, I'm not on anyone Coach of the Year. I, my preseason prediction was Ime Udoka to be Coach of the Year. But here, fuck it, if the Celtics win their division, who knows? But um, hasn't looked great. But Monty... Yeah, it's hard to look past Monty at the Suns. Do you know, best record in the league. They will, they will finish the, the season with the best record in the league. Yeah, I think so. Um, they're and they're just caught. They, they just keep winning. They're so good. Yeah, they are. They are on. And they're so deep. I was looking at their depth chart again. That's why I said I wanted to talk about the Suns if we have time. But 
they're they're the deepest team in the league. Like yeah, I think probably. by a fucking mile too, and they're just so solid. So that that generally will tend towards coach of the year. It's like you don't really have, and it, it fits perfectly because they don't have the MVP caliber player. Yeah, they have the really solid team. So like, yeah. in, weirdly enough, people will always sort of point towards the coach for that. It's a bit like when the Hawks. Remember the five Hawks starters made the mm. but with player coach of the month. Bud made the player of the month. Yeah, I yeah. think Bud won coach of the year that year because the Hawks topped the East. Yeah. They didn't really have any MVP players, but yeah. they and even Bud won it when the when the Bucks stopped the East that year, the first year when they had like sixty, you know, or something yeah. wins, and, yeah. and they had Giannis who was like playing in MVP level, maybe won the MVP that year, might have done, yeah. and um, and they still got it because well, that's the thing, it's the two because sides wins of coach, are so important. The two sides of Coach of the Year or three sides of Coach of the Year are, um, I think wins are the third most important thing uh, against, well, no, not the third most important, but you have to look at the team sort of uh, makeup in terms of do you have that like. Is, do you know because if they top the East and they have that MVP player the chances are he'll get MVP ahead of the coach getting coach of the year yeah. right well coach of the year seems to mostly be a how much have you outperformed your yeah that's what I was going to say so, so it's outperforming expectations and having a, a more cohesive team as opposed to a star dominated team yeah fair enough that, but have the Suns outperformed their expectations when they got to the finals last year Everybody had them as a top two team in the West. Well, yeah, maybe, but I mean, there were still doubters because you know the way they scraped past the Lakers basically in that first round. Yeah. Um, when the Lakers got injured, so I, I mean, I know they got to the finals and 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 you know had a decent series against the Bucks, but I know that's not really outperforming expectations. But you can't, you have to reward someone for you have to reward a team for being the best team in the league. And if you're not going to give Chris Paul, you're not going to give Devin Booker MVP, you're not going to give any of them, well, Mikel Bridges is what the third favourite or fourth favourite yeah, for defensive yeah. of the year, he's not going to get it. But So if they're not winning any of those awards, it's almost like the, the award voters like to kind of, you know, they like to recognise stuff like this. So he's the rightful favourite, but I don't think Spolster's a bad bet. Yeah, me too. And I think I think it'll come down to Monty at the Suns versus Bickerstaff at the Cavs and Spolster maybe come third. Because Bickerstaff, if you look at it in terms of outperforming expectations, everybody thought the Cavs were going to be a lottery team. Yeah, and, oh yeah, I mean, and they they have outperformed their expectations by the by, by the most biggest margin, easily, yeah. easily widest margin. I mean, they passed their Vegas win total in January. Yeah, like that is something that doesn't usually happen. Yeah, and I think last year Tibbs won it with the Knicks. Yeah, because the Knicks came sixth in the East, and Monty was a close second. I think. Yeah, so Monty could get it this year as a bit of a. Congratulations for getting to the finals Didn't last give it year. To you last year. Yeah, yeah and, and you did, had a good season this year. Yeah. It kind of comes down to the voters and whichever narrative is stronger. If the Cavs come top four in the East and Monty, the Suns come first in the West, who do you think is more likely to win? Monty. Yeah, but at the odds now, would you be back in Monty at no. 1.7? No, no, but, no, probably not. No. Um, there's better outrights, but um, I'm just thinking it would be interesting to see if you could make up some sort of... Um, you know, if you come up with a a model based around teams outperforming their preseason Vegas wins totals, yeah. and see how many, you know, where if that see is statistically significant towards coach of the year, winning coach of the year, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get the we'll get our stats guys to look into that. Yeah, yeah, Michael, yeah. Michael. So yeah, I think that's a good good way to wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't touch on well, I mean, because we were talking about trades, we obviously missed out some big teams, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the people who didn't really make moves. But yeah. um, you know, we can touch on them and. In future pods, but yeah, there were other trades, none really as relevant to none really moved the needle betting wise. No, you know, no, when I teams mean, like the Kings are trading with teams like the Pacers, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, well, things like that we'll keep an eye on because teams like the Kings, well, not the Kings because they're fucking god awful, but teams like the Pacers, they're rebuilding. The Portland are rebuilding. Pelicans are sort of hanging about. You know, there's always the potential when trades get made that you have to look at the teams that are are thinking a year, two, three years down the line. Because look at the Cavs. Why was I betting the Cavs um, division in November before they'd really... Yeah, they'd started well. But if you're looking... You know, if you're actually taking a look at something in advance and going, what what is their what is their next step? Where are they going yeah. to be? You have to make predictions, obviously. But it's like, you don't just look, oh, the Cavs are class now. They're going to be great next year. It's like, who are they signing? How long's the contract? You know, so like, what are they building towards? And that's kind of why I did that. And why, you know, I'm looking... At certain teams that are rebuilding for next year, for down the line, you can start to get early odds on teams to win their division, teams to make it to the playoffs, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, fair enough. Something to keep in mind. Okay, so we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Aftertime. I yeah. hope everyone enjoyed it. Picked up a couple of tips on the NBA for where it's going for over the next couple of months. Yeah. We uh, won't We won't be normally... We normally won't be sticking just to the NBA, but the NBA is... Our wheelhouse. 
yeah, it's where we feel the most comfortable advising other people on. It's where we bet the gambling. most. It's where we bet the most, and it's where we feel, you know, we know the most. Yeah. So, so any uh, any suggestions or questions people have as well, if in whatever format, we'll probably figure out a way to get them sent in and answer them if anyone does. And yeah, apart from that, my final uh, parting word is Team LeBron minus five point five in the All Star game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Caught me cold there. I haven't looked into the All Star game. Yeah, uh, Team LeBron is is far better, and they have Giannis, and he's the only one that really cares. Yeah, team Team KD have more new guys who might take the opportunity, you know, like Ja and and uh, Fred Van Vliet to try and go off. But I think with the new format, you know, the newer format they play, the Elam ending, and uh, with Giannis and his team and everyone else, he's got Curry, Jokic, LeBron, Giannis. Like you know, they're unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Why not? Okay, I'll say unders for the points total and unders for the American national anthem in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best um, bet of the year. The best bet of the year. I'll leave it on that. Okay, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Later.